Mackerel Podcast number 313 for August 1st, 2012. Welcome to another Mackerel Podcast sponsored by Hover.com, domain names made simple. I'm Chris Breen. Across much of the U.S., the summer weather has been unpredictable. Too hot here, too cool there, and just about right nowhere at all. Fortunately, there are some predictable things about summer. Around here, the most predictable is the summer of Mac Gems. In this episode, I speak with Leah Yamshan and Dan Frakes, the two people primarily responsible for this summer of gem-filled goodness. I'll talk with them now. I'm joined by Macworld's Leah Yamshon and Dan Frakes to discuss the annual Summer of Mac Gems. Welcome, both of you. Hello. Thanks, Chris. Leah, this is your first time on the Macworld podcast. This is my first time. Thank you for having me. It's awesome. I'm so glad that you're here, finally. Me too. Great. So, because the two of you put together uh, the Summer of Mac Gems, let's talk about exactly what it is. Saying the two of us put it together is giving me far too much credit. Um, as you know, I usually do the Mac Gems column, but during the summer, um, I usually had the benefit of a couple months off. And by that, I mean installing the newest Mac OS a million times while someone else does Mac Gems. So so Leah was the one who got to do it this year. And so um, all the credit should go to her for doing all the, all the, uh, the, the, the legwork there. Um, but what it is, is essentially uh, the Mac Gems column, which normally runs a couple times a week, on Macworld.com, and we have a print version as well, is where we cover software that's, roughly speaking, is inexpensive and, and good. So cheap, good stuff. And what that usually means is apps that are, in the past, it's always been about $35 or less, uh, and would earn a rating of 3.5 mice or higher. And that's sort of what makes a Mac gem. Um, the summer of gems is sort of when we say, you know what? We've got so many things that we want to cover. We just don't have enough time to cover them if we do them once or twice a week. Let's just do them every day for about two months. And we call it the Summer of Gems or Gem Fest, if you will. So how many applications are we talking about? And, um, and do we know how long the series runs? So in the magazine, um, our September issue features 49 of these apps, um, but due to people turning them in a little bit late, we'll be having more running online. So we have about 55 um, apps that we're featuring online. Um, we started posting gems daily back in June. It was towards the end of June, and the last review will post um, during the last week of August. So we tend to, I've kind of been trying to group them by day. So Mondays we've had um, like a system enhancement app. Tuesdays is usually audio, video, or a create type of app. Um, Wednesdays we have utilities. Thursdays we have productivity apps. And Friday we have web and email apps. So how did you go about choosing which apps to include? Well, that that's sort of from what I was getting at earlier and that we, we always have so many gems to, to cover, right? I mean, part of my job is every day to just keep an eye out for new software releases, for stuff that I see online, for things that people recommend to us, whether it's readers or, or other writers. And, you know, I end up getting with this big folder of stuff called gems to check out. And and so my favorite part of the year is actually, you know, March or April when we start saying, hey, let's do a gem fest. And I get to go through that folder and say, you know what, 
I'm going to give this to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 but seriously though, what we do is we, we, that we come up with a list of maybe 70 or 80 things that, that have looked interesting to us. <clears throat> and then we um, recruit people on staff and, and freelance writers for Macworld to go through that list, grab some things, try them out, see if they're going to be good enough to recommend as a gem. And then, uh, and then we start assigning reviews. And so um, it's kind of like just picking from a big pool of stuff that's, that has looked interesting to us. And a lot of those apps get, um, they kind of got cut right away. We'd kind of start to take a look at them and realize that it's bogus and it doesn't quite perform up to what we thought it could be. So we wouldn't even really continue on with the review and we'd whittle uh, the list down to the number that we have now, which is about 50. And occasionally we'll, we'll find something that's interesting, but it still wouldn't earn that three and a half mice rating, which is again, the cutoff for a Mac gem. So sometimes we'll then hand it off to the regular reviews department and, and it'll actually show up as a, as a non gem review. Uh, so, so just because it gets cut from our feature doesn't mean that it's not going to get covered at all. Uh, but we do, as Leah said, we do um, whittle it down to, to get just the ones that fit in the gem's purview. Uh, are there ever any arguments in the back room where somebody says, no, come on, really, you've got to cover this because it's just that great? Well, for the most part, we give our reviewers leeway, right? We, uh, they know what our rating scale is. They know what we're looking for in review. And so when a reviewer comes back to us and says, yeah, I'd give this about a, a three, so it's not going to make the cut. Um, we rarely go back and say, but no, it's it's better than that. Go look at it again, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's not, that's, you know, our job as editors is to make sure more that that ratings seem to fit our system. If we read a review and we say, hey, you gave this thing a five mouse rating, but, you know, then you talk about all these things you didn't like. That doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, we, th- that happens sometimes when editing a review, but uh, we rarely go back and say, hey, reviewer, no, we want to include this, make it a better review. That's that doesn't happen. Well, maybe this is something we should go over again because I don't think we've talked about it for a while. But exactly what do our ratings mean? If you get a three mouse, does that mean it's sort of like, yeah, not so great? Right. Yeah. And, and that, that's actually, you know, I get that a lot. I get that from 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 uh, software developers, product uh, vendors, and from readers where a lot of people, mainly because I think they're exposed to it on other sites where one through five mice is equated somehow with A through, you know, F through A. So A, B, C, right. D, F. Uh, and our scale is not like that. Our scale is sort of top weighted where there's more degrees of good and fewer degrees of bad, right? <laughs> um, and what I mean by that is we've got five mice is, is exceptional or outstanding. Uh, four mice is very good. Three mice is, is still good. It's We kind of call it solid good, which means it's still recommended, but it's not like one of the best things in this class. Uh, and then you get to to the twos, which is flawed, and one, which is basically unacceptable. Don't bother. And, and we, I don't think we've ever given a zero mice, have we, Chris? Not for quite yeah. some time. I, I think I remember once hearing this is a, almost like an urban legend around the MacWorld offices that we once gave a zero mice product to a backup utility that erased your hard drive. Oh, but <laughs> but but back to the rating system. So what it means is that. Essentially, if you get if a, if something gets less than a three, that means don't bother. We don't even don't even consider this. It's it's too flawed. Um, but then we've got three, three and a half, four, four and a half, and five. We've got several ratings that are all different degrees of good. Okay. So in this collection of Mac gems, I'm assuming because we say Mac, there are no iOS apps in here. Right. There are no iOS apps. This is just um, Mac apps. 
So are most of these gems available from the Mac App Store, or do you have to go to uh, a developer's website to get them? Uh, it's a mixed bag. It seems like most of them are available on the Mac App Store. Um, there are a handful that can only be purchased from the developer, though. And in our series, we specify which ones are found on the Mac App Store and which ones are not. And we tell um, our readers where they can find uh, those apps to purchase. So, Dan, this is probably more appropriate for you to answer because you've been doing this for quite some time. Has there been some effect on gems with the advent of the Mac App Store? For example, are prices going down? Are they going up? Are we seeing some gems that are going to the Mac App Store or can't be in there because of certain Mac App Store policies? Well, I, there's really two questions. One is the, the effect of prices and, and two, the effects of the App Store in terms of what people can do, right, in terms of their software. Uh, there's no question that Mac software, especially on the Mac App Store, has gotten cheaper over the last couple of years. Uh, the price pressure is, there's just so much pressure downwards on, on prices because people see a, a full-featured app that's $5 or $10, and then when it comes to a, a utility that does simpler tasks or performs simpler uh, tasks, they say, oh, well, I'm not going to pay $10 for that. Uh, and I think part of this started with the, the iOS app store, honestly. For the past few years, people have just grown accustomed to getting really cool software for $2, $3, $5, or, or free. And they're starting to expect it now, too. So um, I don't think there's any question. We're seeing a lot of downward pressure on prices. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing for me is that what I see the most is complaints from users about prices. Um, mm -hmm. developers seem to be okay with pushing prices down under the assumption that they're going to sell more because of the convenience of the Mac App Store. But they're frustrated because they'll release a really good app that five years ago sold for $20, and they're pricing it at $399, and people are complaining that it's $399. Uh, right. And so I think that's kind of the unfortunate side effect of this. Um, it's good for, for users in that they're able to get a lot of good software for cheap nowadays, but... They're, they're, they've, some of them are coming to expect cheap prices for really good software that takes a lot of time to develop. Um, but the second part of your question in terms of the kinds of things that are being offered, uh, definitely the, the Mac App Store has always had restrictions on what kind of things could be there. For example, backup utilities were never allowed on the Mac App Store because they require system-level access privileges, and Apple won't allow apps on the Mac App Store to do that. Um, Things like BB Edit, the text editor, the version you buy on the Mac App Store has has never been able to uh, edit and save system-level files because of the access that requires. Uh, but now we've got sandboxing, which is the new security feature uh, that was introduced. It was it June 1st, is that right? Mm -hmm. uh, where apps have to... They're, they're, they're restricted to accessing only certain parts of the file system. They can only do things within certain range of tasks. And um, it's, it's, it's limiting the kinds of things apps can do. And as a result, we're now seeing even more restrictions in that apps that were allowed under the previous rules have been pulled from the Mac App Store because they just can't work under the new sandboxing rules. And so there's always going to be room for in the Mac App Store for you know, basic things, photo editors, music players, games, and stuff like that. But for the more advanced users or the users who are just trying to be more productive and they're looking for things like text expanders, you know, text expansion utilities, or or uh, utilities that help them better manage their windows on their screen, like like Moom um, from Minitrix. 
launch bar, those kinds of things, those just can't exist in the Mac App Store under these new rules. Right. So as we go forward into Mountain Lion and where people are going to be generally directed to the Mac App Store, is this going to get worse? I don't know that it's necessarily going to get worse. Uh, Mountain Lion does have some new security features in it, but those features, at least in Mountain Lion itself, are more user configurable. For example, Gatekeeper, which by default only lets you install apps on your Mac that are from the Mac App Store or from a developer that has a, 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 a what's called a certificate from Apple, which is basically Apple has said, okay, this is an approved developer. Mm-hmm. But... Mountain Lion gives the user the option to disable that so that you can install software from anywhere. So so Mountain Lion itself isn't really preventing you from from installing software that's not on the Mac App Store, but you know there's this effect of because the Mac App Store is on every app uh, every Mac, excuse me, and because Apple promotes apps that are there and it's easy for users to get them, easy for them to update them. Uh it's you know there's this you know there's the whole de facto versus de jure thing, right? Where is something limited because it's it's restricted by Apple or is it limited because people just aren't going to install it if it's not on the Mac App Store? And I think that's the the concern that a lot of developers have now, which is that if they don't put something on the Mac App Store, are people going to see it? Are people going to know it exists? And yeah, I've talked to developers about that who said, you know, this portion of our app doesn't fit into Apple's guidelines, and so we're going to take it out. So what you end up with, I think, is possibly a dumbed-down version of some applications that it may still be a perfectly lovely application, but it isn't everything that the developer wanted to make it because they couldn't do some system-level calls that that Apple prevents them from doing. Right, and to some extent, that's there, there, we have a new responsibility at Macworld and especially in the Mac Gems column, uh, to be the, sort of the people who help readers find those kind of things nowadays. Now that Apple is putting these restrictions on developers and developers are having to pull their really cool apps from the App Store, uh, I think Mac users are going to rely more and more on Macworld and other publications to, to help them find those things, to help them say, you know, learn about things that they wouldn't find by browsing the App Store. Right, and keep us employed, and that's good. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, good. We'll be back with more from Leah and Dan, but first, a word from our sponsor, Hover.com. If you listen regularly to this podcast, you've heard me talk about Hover.com, and I will again. My story is that I was with another domain name registration service. Every time I went there, it was crowded with ads. I couldn't find the controls I needed to work with my account. And every time I turned around, it seemed like they were trying to sell me something else. So I decided to leave. And after looking around for a while, I chose Hover.com. And there's a good reason, because it's a very simple service. They have simple tools It's very uncluttered. If you need to do something, you can. You can get it done. And they're not constantly turning around trying to sell you something else. You get in, you get out, and you're done. In addition, they have an extensive help section. So if you need help with something, even though it really is quite easy to use, go online, check out the help section, and you'll find the help you need. And if you don't, you can give them a call. From 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Give them a call. They'll pick up the phone. A real person will pick up the phone instead of sending you to a phone tree, and you'll get the help that you need. And that's Hover.com. It's easy to get around and use the tools they provide. They don't try to sell you stuff that you don't need, and they offer help when you need it. One more thing? Sure. 
Go to www.hover.com slash Macworld and get 10% off their service. Check it out. I think you'll like it. And now more from Leah, Dan, and the Summer of Mac Gems. Leah, so you've been through all these gems. You've you've been spearheading this movement. So did you see any trends in the gems this year? I know that you said each day you have a different kind of of um, app, but overall, was there sort of, um, we're looking at gems that have like more social networking built in or um, more system utilities or that kind of thing? Yeah, um, mostly what we were looking at was um, kind of system enhancement apps, um, things for making your your workflow a little bit smoother on the productivity side, uh, things that clean up space on your Mac, some battery saving um, apps, some kind of quick launch desktop utilities. Um, We didn't cover any games in this series. Another trend that we saw is we saw um, quite a few like Instapaper type clients um, that take all of your RSS feeds and social readers and kind of combine them into one spot. Um, One of those apps is an app I've been using, which is called Faves. Um, It takes, it's a web utility. It keeps track of items you've liked, posted, marked, marked as like a favorite across your social platforms and your um, read it later type platforms, puts them all in one spot on your desktop. And it's really cool. Okay. So um, in terms of some of these gems, are some of them replacements for things that Apple does, but doesn't do very well? So I'm thinking things like, um, and I don't think this was included, but like Fantastical, where iCal is okay, but it doesn't really give you a good way to to easily enter events, whereas Fantastical is right there in your menu bar, and you can do that. So were there a group of, of uh, gems that enhanced Apple applications that, that didn't work all that well? Sure. Um, there's one that comes to mind. It's called MailTags3, and it's um, a client that you add to Apple's native mail client. And it's a way, it's a different way to categorize your um, inbox and all of your um, all of your email that comes in. And it's a lot smoother than um, what Apple had to offer. And that way you can um, tag things by different, it's kind of like adding um, hashtags to things. So you can add different categories to your mail. And then if you can, you can search by uh, keywords. So it's not just about searching by, you know, the date or who it came from or, subject you can search by keywords so i could file things um you know like all my mac gems emails instead of having them in a separate category i could just do like you know mac gems productivity and i could just type that in then all of my emails and all of those threads just come up in that way and you can have cool color organizations um and different it's it's just like a different level of integration and it's been really smooth Mm -hmm. um that got a pretty high rating and seems to be a nice um add-on to the mail app well i can tell you that um one of the ones i did and and chris you're right a lot of these from year to year do tend to be those kind of things and i think that 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 follows because you know utilities that people haven't seen before they have to kind of discover some way Mm -hmm. um things that apple does but doesn't do them quite well enough there's a lot of more demand for that because people are sort of exposed to to the feature and they want it better. So I think that's why a lot of these things are so popular. Um, one of the ones I reviewed actually for GemFest this summer is called Battery Status. Mm-hmm. And um, if you've got, say, a, a, a laptop and you've got a, an Apple keyboard and you've got an Apple Magic Trackpad, 
there are ways to see the battery levels on all of those things. But for example, for the Magic Trackpad, you've got to go to the Bluetooth menu and go down to a little sub menu, and then it shows you how much charge is left. So this this utility sits in your menu bar, and it shows with one click all of your basically rechargeable batteries or battery levels. So your your Apple wireless keyboard, your your Magic Trackpad, your laptop's battery, and it shows all of them in one menu. And the nifty thing is that actually what in the menu bar it shows which of those has the lowest charge so you always know which of your devices um, and accessories are getting closer to running out of juice and it shows you you know detailed info if you click on the menu about your your laptop's battery um, it tells you how much longer each of those devices is going to last and stuff like that so it's it's consolidating into one menu and a better menu things that you could do with apple's own software but it's kind of a hassle mm-hmm well, let's talk about some of the favorites of some of our reviewers. What stood out that people just absolutely loved? Um, Serenity Caldwell um, reviewed an app called Screeny, which was a screencast app, and she seemed to really like that one. Um, it gives you a different uh, interface when you're recording screencasts. Um, it's got like an this widget um, that she seemed to like, and it was uh, really an easy way to do picture-in-picture, video images, um, and you can switch from a screencast to your uh, Mac's built-in camera and then record yourself really easily back and forth. Joe uh, Joe Kissel, who's a Macworld contributor, uh, he uh, sometimes we say really liked, and then a utility gets you know, maybe three and a half mice. It's not because they didn't really like it. It's just that maybe, for example, in this case, the idea is really cool, but there are some things that aren't quite polished about it yet. But he really liked this app called Clusters. And what it does is is it turns out in um, Snow Leopard, macOS uh, 10, 10.6 or later, um, there's a, a feature that can automatically compress and uncompress files in the background without you ever knowing it's happening. And this utility essentially gives you that power on normal files that you use every day. And so what happens is that, uh, is that uh, you, you say your documents folder, you tell it, okay, compress this. And as you're working, it's compressing all of your little files and, and folders and things, but they still appear as regular files and folders. And so suddenly you just magically have more space on your hard drive. Uh, and when you open one of those files, it uses this OS X feature to uh, to uncompress the file while you're using it and then compress it again later. And so it's one of those things that most people would never even have a clue exists, but it turns out it's built there, built into the OS. Any others? Um, John Seff reviewed an app called NQ, and Chris, you might like this one too. It basically, um, it's an alternative to iTunes, and it plays files that iTunes can't usually um, handle. So it supports, it's, it's an open source lossless audio format. Um, a lot of live music performances um, are recorded using this audio file, um, but iTunes can't support it. So normally you'd have to have your iTunes library somewhere and then use um, a different program to listen to this one sort of file. Um, but this app called NQ, it looks similar to and has a, a similar interface um, to iTunes, but it can play your entire iTunes library um, as well as these FLAC files. Um, so music buffs, I think, might appreciate this app a lot. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. And then what about some of your personal favorites? Um, I use this app called Desktop Tidy, um, and I hadn't heard of it until I was asked to review it, and I found it to be a really essential part of my daily workflow now. Um, 
it's a way to organize your desktop. Um, I constantly, I just drag and drop things from my downloads folder to my desktop all the time. When I'm taking screenshots, they just dump onto my desktop. And usually I just forget they're there because I have all of my other applications open. And then when I see my desktop, it's this big cluttered mess and it's super hard to find the things that I'm looking for. So what Desktop Tidy does, um, it's a menu bar utility and it automatically cleans up your desktop at um, designated intervals. So I set mine to tidy every hour or so. Um, and it places these, uh, it takes your whole desktop and it puts it into what it calls a secret desktop, which is another series of folders and it's hidden in Finder, but you can easily access it um, from the menu bar. And I really like it a lot. That's great because I think me and probably every other Mac user in the world has a folder on their desktop called desktop stuff. When you get to the point where you can't see your desktop background anymore, you select everything and you throw it in that folder and then you forget about it. Mm -hmm. So this does it for you and you can get into your secret desktop and make uh, like additional subfolders for things. And there's a way to have these files automatically dump into these subfolders. So I have one for screenshots and everything that's like screenshot dot whatever, whatever, whatever. When you take a screenshot on your Mac, it just dumps right into that folder and I can find it later. So it's it's really cool. Wow. I, I want that. And um, I also want some way to automate this so that it will look for any JPEG file, for example, throw it in there and then put it automatically into a pictures folder. That, that would be the job of uh, Hazel, which was a, a gem last year, Chris. It'll do that? Yes, it, it watches any folder or any part of your hard drive and then lets you set up rules like in mail. So you have a rule that says it's kind of like almost like folder actions, but it's a lot more powerful and easier to use. So it clean it can clean up your desktop, put everything into a folder except JPEG files, which go into a different folder. It does, you know, those kind of things. You know, I have a copy of Hazel and I don't do that, but I'm going to <laughs> as soon as I get off this podcast. All right. <laughs> You know, one of the uh, the other apps, which actually I was really happy to see in this year's GemFest, is uh, is File Examiner, and that's because, you know, I first covered File Examiner as a Mac Gem. It must have been, gosh, two thousand three, two thousand four. I mean, we're talking almost a decade ago, and then it kind of dropped off the map, and then it suddenly reappeared earlier this year. And uh, Gideon Softworks, the company that makes it, said, "Hey, we've got a new version. And it works with Lion." and and uh, what it is, is if you've never used it, it's um, essentially when you get info on a file in the finder, you get that little window that gives you all the information about the file. Mm -hmm. Well, imagine if that was taken to the next step, which is that it lets you see all that information, but also lets you edit any of it. That's what File Examiner does. It essentially lets you go in and you can change privileges a lot much more easily than OS X lets you. You can change the date modified and created you can um, uh, you can share files more easily. Essentially, almost anything that's in that info dialog, you can edit. And um, you can batch edit things. For example, you can batch edit the dates on a bunch of photos that were taken and your camera was set to the wrong date. Uh, so there are a lot of things like that it can do. And it's been around for for ages, and I'm happy to see that it's now working again on uh, on Lion. I mean, we all have these workflows, right? And we have habits, and we always work a certain way. And I find that I download things like Hazel, for example. I've had it for a year. And I use it for a while, and I try it, and then it sort of slips off the radar because it's not the way I generally do things. So is there anything that you guys have used this year that has significantly changed the way you work? 
Well, let me say that I, because the, this is sort of my break from gems and that, and that I'm not reviewing every single one like I usually do, I haven't had a chance to try a lot of these yet. And I'm planning on trying more of them as the summer goes on and I read the other writers' reviews. Um, but I, I will say that over the last you know few years of doing Mac Gems, there are plenty of utilities that I use every day now that I didn't use before I found them for Mac Gems. So, so it does happen for me. So what are a couple that you... I know you're a launch bar guy. Oh, I'm a launch bar guy. Just, just looking in my menu bar alone, um, past gems include Growl, Text Expander, Dropbox, um, Desktop Curtain, um, uh, Seamless, Sharpshooter. I'm, I mean, I'm just going over my icons here. These were, have all been Mac gems in the past. Flux, wow. Cover Sutra, um, Quick Cursor, 1Password, uh, you know... Uh, these are things that I use on a daily basis every day, multiple times a day that I discovered because I found them for Mac gems and, or someone else has written a Mac gems review about them. And, and what about you, Leah? Uh, there's definitely um, some of these Mac gems I've downloaded for myself to check out just based on other people's reviews. Um, like I said, desktop tidy has been, it's quickly become um, part of my, daily workflow. Um, on my MacBook that I use at home, um, I've also been using an app called Deep Sleep, which I found through Gems, um, and it's a battery-saving app. Um, my MacBook just turned three years old, so it's battery, and it still has its original battery, and it's not, you know, it's not in its prime uh, yeah. shape yeah. anymore. So uh, Deep Sleep has greatly improved its battery life. Um, and that's an app that I wouldn't have found um, without Gems, and now I use it every day. Yeah, and I agree. I I generally look up in my menu bar to see what's up there that I use all the time. So I think, was Fantastical a, a gem at one time? or Oh, yes. Yeah, Oh, it was a gem. One of our, uh, it was an Eddie Award winner, one of our Gems of the Year last year. Yeah, and I use Air Server and, gosh, what else have I got up here? I got a ton of stuff up here. I can't even see all the stuff I've got up here. But um <laughs> and that's one reason why I find Mac Gems so helpful is that you just don't have the time to find everything that's cool out there. And so it's it's a great service, particularly this kind of series that goes day after day and you can keep track of and, and see what's new and cool and and some smart people have vetted these things for you and because they're gems, they're not terribly expensive. And so mm -hmm. you know, you can give it a go and, and see what you think. Wow, we've got like another month or so of Mac Gems coming up. And yep. so um, I guess people will just see them every day, Monday through Friday, on, on Macworld's homepage. Mm -hmm. And and you can actually follow the uh, Macworld Mac Gems Twitter feed, which is just Mac Gems. Uh, and uh, every Mac Gems article we post is, is uh, also posted to Twitter. Terrific. Okay. Well, we look forward to another month of Mac Gems, and I'm going to go back and read some of them because uh, clearly I need more stuff in my menu bar. So thank you very much, Leah and Dan, for joining me. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, Chris. And that wraps up this edition of the Macworld Podcast, sponsored by Hover.com, domain names made simple. I'd like to thank Leah Yamshon and Dan Frakes for joining me. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at mackerel.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at mackerel.com. Thanks very much for listening. 
See you around.